Hey, this is Val Selby, and after over 20 years online, I can track where my mindset has blocked me. If procrastination, imposter syndrome, and a lack of focus have been blocking your biz, then Val Full Volume is here to help you see choices you are making. Get ready to use your expertise to collaborate like a pro as you create the business of your dreams. Now is the time to make changes and live your best life. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone. I am excited. I told you I've been bringing more guests in and I love it. I love having the conversations and bringing new ideas to you and new ways of thinking because all of us are flowing different in our head. And any one of these guests, you can pull bits and pieces from and make it work for you. So today I have for you, Beate, and we are going to be talking about we could be talking about quite a bit of stuff with what you have done in your life. So <laughs> before we go into any of that, Beate, I'd love it if you would introduce yourself to the guests and let them know what you want them to know about you. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Val. Well, first of all, I'm really excited to be here. So thank you for having me. And my name is Beate Chalette. And just a little side note here. I mean, aside that everybody has a problem pronouncing it, it means the bringer of gladness, the God that God sent, the blessed so apparently my parents had extremely high hopes for uh, my life's purpose. I live currently in Los Angeles and I am a growth architect. That means that I help people to land planes and take their ideas and build business models and systems and processes around it so that they can make some money and turn talents into business. And exactly what we're looking for, right? I mean, we're in business to be making money. <laughs> well, isn't that a noble concept? I know. <laughs> I actually saw that because I know sometimes people with when we're in the spiritual niche or we like to help people, they start feeling a little icky about that. And I saw a meme the other day that was so simple. It's like you wouldn't go to work and not expect a paycheck. The simplicity is shocking. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, Oh my gosh, how can we break it down even even smaller? That is 100% it. So when I was looking at your information, one thing that did hit me off the bat was authority and impact and scale. And sometimes these simple words that we have in our heads, we think we know what they mean. But what do they mean to you? Diving right in. I love it. So the first thing I want you to think about is what is authority, because that in itself is already a loaded subject. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between an authority and influencer and a celebrity. Gary V is not an authority. Gary V is a celebrity. Influencer become celebrity. The whole business model, which I still don't know, by the way, what Gary Vee's business model is, even though I do business models for a living. <laughs> but his whole thing is that Gary Vee is the brand. And then if it's Gary Vee vodka, Gary Vee steaks, Gary Vee whatever, he has an opinion on everything and everybody on crypto as much as business. And so he's a celebrity. <laughs> That's a different business model. For most of your listeners, Val, you probably are an authority because you are a industry expert. Mm -hmm. You have expertise in a very specific subject matter category. So you're a subject matter expert. That is where you want to be the authority in. An influencer is somebody who has 
a hook. So they're cute, they're young, they have opinions, and they are talking about things other people are doing, and then they try to influence them to buy something or do something. So that's really kind of more the new way of being a marketing specialist. Mm -hmm. So we specifically talk in growth architecture about authority because we talk with subject matter experts and none of the other stuff. And so once you identify that an authority really is a subject matter expert, you can take a deep breath because then you don't need to worry about all the other stuff. Then it's really about what you're very good at. What's the value proposition? What's the unapologetic value proposition? How do you show up in front of other people? And how do other people perceive your expertise or your authority? What is your authority in? And then you build your brand really around that. The second thing that you said was scaling. So scaling is around an idea that already has some legs under it. So you cannot scale something that doesn't exist because that would be multiplying it by zero. Scaling is kind of like a multiplication when you have a mathematical formula and it's one times one, one times two, one times three, that's scaling. But if it's a zero, the fact is zero because you don't have anything, there's nothing to scale. You have to build it and grow it first. Then you can scale it. Excellent. And then finally, you said the word impact. Mm -hmm. And this is a question that I believe we all have to ask an answer to ourselves is what are we here for? What are you doing it for? Are you doing it for the money? Are you doing it to pay your bills? Are you doing it so you can have a lifestyle? Is it a laptop lifestyle? You don't really even care what it is. Or are you here because you have a message and you want to make an impact? We are an impact-driven company. And our objective has always been, because I come from the creative arts, I'm originally a trained photographer, and I've always been a around the most colorful, crazy, non-conforming characters you can imagine. (laughs) And so my purpose in life is to help people with big ideas to make their impact by building the the structures and systems around it. I love it. And the reason I was asking about those words specifically is sometimes I just, I know for myself and for clients as well, we have these words, we use them. (laughs) We think we know what they mean, but we don't really pay attention. So that was why I asked, and I love your answers because it just brings it back to keeping it a little easy, right? I think that's one of the most important things we have. I actually run a mastermind group on Fridays and we call it the easy think tank because it's always about what's the simplest way to do it. We have a super simple business plan, which is one page. We have super simple goal setting, which is how do you set goals the right way without all this like smart stuff and all these complications One of the things that I think that I am very good at and what is my super skill in life is that I can take these concepts and I can break them down so they're really simple and easy for people to understand. So yeah, extra points for that, Val. Beautiful, beautiful. And I love that you figured out what it is that's so easy for you so that you can market it and do it and help other people. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Another thing that, I mean, totally got me was you talk about your un- Uncovery sessions. You wrote on your form the uncovery sessions. And I love that, connected with that immediately because I talk about uncoaching so much. (laughs) Yes. And so the uncovery comes from the idea of uncovering and discovery because the first of all, we needed a fancy word for something that wasn't a strategy session or a complimentary 
assessment, you know, something that sounded a little bit more unique and different. And the term uncovery, as you said, it looks at what's underneath something on whether that's a desire, a plan, a idea. And then once you've uncovered what it is, then you can discover on how to make it happen. Yeah. And I mean, that just it brings in your branding because you wanted something different. And that's the people that you're bringing in are a little bit different. Yes. And I, I think it's a good point that you're making, Val, because a lot of people are looking at what internet marketers are doing and then they copy that and they try to be, not to overuse the word authentic, but they try to be authentically them while they're copying somebody else's stuff. And I don't think that necessarily really works. Mm-mm. Because that is what they figured out works for them. Yep. But that's not necessarily what works for you. I know the people that came up with a 10X branding for Grand Cardone. And it's a marketing company, a marketing and branding company that did that, that came up with a concept, but then that developed everything around that. So 10X is a concept. So if the 10X concept is taken, then what's your concept? And please don't say it's 5X or 2X. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And the reason I do the uncoaching is because it took me years to figure out all of the stuff that I needed to let go because of exactly what you just said. It's like, oh, well, this mentor, this coach was doing it this way. And they were telling me I needed to do it that way as well. So it's stuck in my head. And I was like, well, but that's never worked for me. Why am I still trying that? Well, but that is the whole hook. I mean, if you look at what other people are doing or how money is being made in the internet marketing space, the entire idea is for me to say, I have the one thing, the one thing that magically makes all your dominoes fall into place. Yeah. And then I do that one thing only to find out that that thing still needs the other thing that, interesting enough, the affiliate is offering. <laughs> so if I want to learn how to speak then my next offer is, well, how are you going to create an offer? And then you go like, yeah, that makes sense. So now that I know how to speak from stage, I need to know how to make an offer from stage. But what offer? So interesting that then somebody else shows up and says, I can teach you how to do online courses that you can sell from stage. You say, well, that makes perfect sense. Then the next affiliate offer after that is like Russell Brunson comes and says, well, do you have a funnel for that? And they go, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now I'm going to be building a funnel. And then on and on and on and on and on it goes. And you're still buying another thing and another thing and another thing, and you never have a business plan. And then you have to uncover or uncoach Yeah. on how does this even all connect? Right. <laughs> all connect. And meanwhile, you've dropped some of the balls that you first started learning and put into place. And it's what, six months, a year down the road. And you're like, yeah, that's old news. Needs to be updated. Don't have time for that because I have to learn the new thing. <laughs> Yes. And that's how internet marketing works. And $150,000 and four years later, you're exactly where you were just a little bit more broke and frustrated. Right. And I I always bring bring it up to my clients. It's like, if there was one way to do business, then we would all be doing it. I actually, my quote is, there are a million ways to be successful. You only need to find one yours. Yes. Yes. And it works so much better because then you, I mean, One of the things I had to learn was the fact that when I was doing it, like other people were telling me to do, I didn't market very well because I didn't feel connected to it. (laughs) I might not have even been really proud about it. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
Well, but that's always the thing because if you feel like you're always doing something wrong, you still need other people. Yeah. And that not that the concept of the pharmaceutical industry and the whole medical industry? Mm-hmm. As long as you keep going to the doctor and as long as you keep having a problem, you need to be taking the medication. It's the continuity program, the original continuity program. If you never really get better, we always can treat you and we always make money off you. Yeah, that is true. That's, that's one of my red flags that I've noticed in my own dealing with things when stuff pops up is all of a sudden I'll start looking for answers elsewhere. Like, it's like, oh, well, coach has to have it or workshop has to have it. Even on my computer, it's like, well, what workshop do I already have in there that I just need to go and learn? And it's like, you know, after all these years, I do know what I need to do. And I'm hiding from it, right? Well, I just was listening to something really interesting. And it said that if you worry, you don't really trust in God's spirit or the powers that they are. So if you're impact driven, and you're here because you're purpose-driven, entrepreneur, solopreneur, entrepreneur, whatever whatever you might be, and you worry, then that means that you really don't trust that what you're doing is the right thing. And I think it's a tough one for all of us to own that because I want it, I made a decision, and it's not going the way I want it. So I don't know if it's me, if it's something else, and then I'm supposed to trust plan, Uh but I need the money. Right. How do I reconcile all of that? Right. I know our damn human brains. (laughs) Darn human brains. (laughs) Always making a stout. I know for me, one of the things I've really paid attention to, if it's something that I know I really want, is all of a sudden, if the self-doubt comes in, I've kind of paid attention that, you know what, that probably because I'm getting close. That's the valley of despair. Getting close. And it's scaring me. Yeah. In the psychology of change, there is, you know, and I just revamped one of my workbooks and I actually put that graphic in of how change goes. So first there's a lot of enthusiasm and then you try things, it's not working out. There's resistance and wherever the resistance comes from. And then you enter the valley of despair where you either surrender or you give up. And then from there on, typically you find your path, or if you give up, then obviously the journey ends there. And I think that's such a good reminder to say that there is a psychology of change. Yeah. And if you are making a change today and remind yourself that if you want to change from where you are to a different spot, there is a psychology of how change typically happens. There will be aware of the original enthusiasm. I mean, just look at people that go to Tony Robbins seminar. And I mean, everybody's hyped up and fired up and they're going to change their life. And it's great. And the the community and the camaraderie and the revelations. And then what? And Tony Robbins says, what? It's like 5% of people that go to his seminars actually make the change. Yeah. Because we get to that despair part and we don't want to be there because we don't want to feel bad, right? Who does? But you and we can go back and get to the excited part again, right? If we try something new. That is actually exactly what happens. And I'm sure you deal with this in your uncoaching all the time is that people are addicted to the hit, the dopamine hit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew I was. I mean, I finally figured that out. But one thing, if using your 
psychology that you just put out there. One thing, if we worked on reminding ourselves, it's like, well, if we get to the surrender, we don't have to keep going to the despair as much. Because I I assume you're meaning you surrender to this is how it's going to go. Yes, because if I look back at the trajectory of my life and how I came back from $135,000 in debt as a single broke immigrant mom, and then I sell my business to Bill Gates. Yeah. So if I look at this and then today I would break it down into the spiritual concepts or put it in relationship to everything I know now, then what would I see? I would see that I made a decision and that I did not have an exit route. There was no plan B. It was this or I was going to go down in flames. Mm-hmm. So the famous quote that I have is like, I will not drown in a puddle comes from that because it was so big. If I would have drowned, I mean, I, I would have clearly drowned in the open ocean, mm-hmm. but there was no other, there was no ship. There was no, there was no alternative. It was this, or I was going to completely fail. So I made the decision to do it. And then I worked on this until I had it figured out. And the valley of despair of, I had no money, I had to borrow money to pay interest on borrowed money. I'm a single mom. My dad dies, getting thrown out of the house that I live in. And on and on and on and on it went. And I just stuck with it. And then one day it turned. Mm -hmm. The way it turned, it didn't turn the way I thought it would turn. It turned because in my absolute desperation and literally to stop a nagging former mother-in-law, I wrote a letter to the president of the United States. <laughs> and that in itself is, is nuts. But I only did this because my former mother-in-law was a pain in the ass. <laughs> you need to write a letter to the president. Why don't you go to the number one guy in the country? If anybody can help you, the president of the United States can help you. Why are you wasting your time with anybody else? Have you written your letters? But Fine. <laughs> fine. Fine. I wrote the damn letter. And then I get a letter from the White House. And this letter from the White House, of course, the president of the United States never saw this letter. Some underling intern in the mailroom mm-hmm. was responding. But it sent this to the Small Business Administration here in Los Angeles. And it put me in touch with the second in command because they also got a letter from the White House. Mm-hmm. And that is what got me the appointment with the top dog. Mm-hmm. That is when I was walking in completely prepared with my business plan and they helped me find a bank to restructure my debt, freeing up my line of credit. Three months later, I'm break even and 18 months later, I'm the world leader in my category. So if I look at the spiritual principles that were at work is I was not in charge of the path. I had set the destination. I had said I wanted to sell the business. I had flushed out the idea and I had made a commitment to making this idea happen. But the path, how I got there, certainly my business plan didn't say write a letter to the president of the United States. Right, right. And how could it? Because you don't know that's going to work. We wouldn't even know. Yeah. And so that's, I think, the part where a lot of people get lost is that then when they are in the Valley of Despair or when the that dopamine hit has worn off, that they look at this as that, nah, that pff, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to work for $300 an hour. Yeah. Not knowing that that thing may not put them in touch with that person that has that connection to the thing that then becomes the thing. Yeah. 
And that is where the trust then comes in. Is it me who is in charge of constantly articulating on whether the path that I'm on is the right path or is that a higher power? So if I really trust that I made the decision and that it will all unfold the way I have envisioned it, meaning I'm selling my business. Yep. I mean, I didn't say I'm going to sell my business for millions of dollars to Bill Gates, but I did say I wanted an equity event. Yeah. And I did want to be the industry leader. Yep. And for those of you listening, I mean, if you've been here for a little bit, you might know part of my story. This isn't just the woo-woo. This is really how it works because that's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing right now was very similar. I had decided I was going to create something like Bundle Bash and I was going for it. That's what I wanted to do. And then I figured out that it was too much for me to do by myself. And I'm like, tabled it. Still really want it, tabled it. Two months after that, a friend of mine came to me and said, hey, how about we do this? I hadn't even talked to her about it, but I let go of how it was going to happen. So powerful. And I, and I was making the connections. I'd already been making all the connections because that's part of my zone of genius is the networking part. But I can really look back and know that's exactly what it happened. I stopped paying attention to all of, I don't want to say steps because I mean, we still have to work. We, we still have to work plans and all of that to make it happen. But I let go of exactly how it was going to happen and how I was going to get there. I didn't know I was going to go into business with somebody and do it. (laughs) And I bet that the decision for you was difficult because you go and you have to give up something. And sometimes surrender does feel like you're giving up. Yep. But are you giving up or are you just giving up control? And I believe that that's in, in life. It works like this. And just a side note, even if you've done this before, Every decision from here on out is going to go through the same pattern. Yeah. Because that is the pattern of growth. I'm in it right now. I had to really sit down and do a massive surrender just a couple of weeks ago. And I said, I don't even know. My brother had a almost fatal heart attack, was in a coma for four days. I didn't know if it was going to survive. My daughter had a baby. So I'm I'm now a grandparent now. Oh, congrats. No, no, no. Now that suddenly aged me dramatically. Like, how dare she? <laughs> and how now my role changes in the family unit. What am I responsible for? There were some issues in my relationship. There was a question where I was going to take this business. And suddenly you're in this crisis mm-hmm. and you go, well, why am I in this crisis? And then The message keeps coming through. You need to surrender, surrender, surrender. I'm a freaking German control freak. (laughs) Maybe that's where my control issues come from is the German part. (laughs) I can guarantee that. I can give it to you in writing if you want, (laughs) because that's in our nature. Yeah. That's in our DNA. So when you're saying surrender, and I don't know if this is going too personal or not, do you have any way that you go about that? Do you have a process or is it just something you do? You know, that's really a good question because I'm trying to figure this out myself. So to get really super, super personal here, by the time this episode is going live, I'll be on an ayahuasca journey. Oh. uh And that I'm doing this for the reason that I feel that there is at this time, because of the things that have happened and the compound effect of the things that have happened that a lot of my trauma is coming up. Mm. And I've had a lot of childhood trauma, a very abusive parent. And you think you're done with it. Mm -hmm. 
but you always have this feeling something is completely holding you back. And so for the first time in 30 years, I'm now experiencing anxiety and I feel incredibly tense. I'm like, WTF is that about? I just went on meds a couple months ago and for my anxiety. We're on a similar path at the moment. (laughs) I'm like, I have literally not have anxiety in 30 years. And and, and I'm talking to my partner, Gary, and he goes like, man, you're so tense. I said, I can't freaking relax. I don't like, I feel my, the inside of my body is like so tightly wound. Yeah. And I think that becomes because I am at this point where I have to surrender and I know I need to surrender, Mm -hmm. but there is a part of me internally that is so freaked out about finding out some of these other things that are lurking in the dark. That's a part of me is completely shutting down. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give you an example that will just blow your mind. So my mother calls me out of the absolute blue, out of the absolute blue and says, When you were a baby, my doctor didn't like fat babies. So I just didn't feed you. But then you were whimpering at night. And good mother that I am, I eventually figured out that probably was not good. And I fed you more. And then you had really bad digestive disorders. I said, yeah, because I'm lactose intolerant. She says, okay. (laughs) Yes, because you're German. (laughs) You know, Valen, there was this point where I'm going like, there's so much to unpack here. Yeah. What makes her say something like that? What makes you think there's any benefit to tell somebody, oh, by the way, my lack of you nurturing you didn't start later. It started when you were born. (laughs) Right. It's like, why did I need to hear this? (laughs) Exactly. Why do I need to hear this? But I made the decision to do the ayahuasca journey. Mm Mm-hmm. So the journey starts when you make the decision, remember, and the energy immediately opens up and puts things into motion. So here I am, and I'm judging what's coming up, even though I made the decision because I don't want to go there, but I made the decision to go there. Yeah. And I think that's the part of, to answer your question, what's your process? It's a lot of fighting with myself. It's a lot of arguing. It's a lot of internal the dialogue, a lot of listening, whatever, to an Abraham Hicks or to, I like David Nagel for mindset work, he's my mindset coach, and also opening up about things I've never talked about, because how much can you hold inside? Yep. And being okay with talking about it. And it's amazing the more that I've talked about a lot of different things. I mean, because we're entrepreneurs, so our life and our business are all commingled at all times. But the more I've talked about all of these issues, the better my business has been. I am still struggling with that, if, if I'm honest with you. I wished I could say that this part of my past where we were not allowed, so part of this story is that I was never allowed to talk about things that were difficult. Mm-hmm. So on the outside, we had to always look like the the... the my mother wanted to be whatever, Stepford wife and look perfect. And we didn't leave the house unless we had little patent leather shoes and bows and looking the part. We always had to look the part and that's what we were taught. So now to say, I'm going to be okay to tell people what's really going on. And I had a, a conversation with my partner about this. I said, listen, there's things about me you don't know. He's like, what do you mean? Well, I kind of hold pieces of myself back. It's like, why? 
Because <laughs> I always have. <laughs> because I always have. Yeah. And so the art of surrender is a deeply personal and believe often very painful process mm-hmm. because you have to let go of that part of you that believed in that. Yes. 100%. There's a mourning. Yes. And some grief because it's like, okay, well, this isn't, this is the reality and it's not what I had hoped. Right. Or it is the story of your reality because like, let's go back to the example of my mother. So why is she telling me this? Option A, she's mentally ill. She's a nutcase. She doesn't know any better. And she just thrives on inflicting pain. Option B, she wants to demonstrate what a great mother she was. And that is the best example she can come up with. Uh C, she is just an emotionally completely inept person who has no idea (laughs) when to shut up and what not to say. D, she's been extremely abused herself by her mother, and she just doesn't know any better. And she's a narcissist and has no emotional quotient. Yeah. So which of these stories am I going to believe? Right. So in my original narrative, of course, I'm going to believe the one that makes me look like the victim, because that then justifies how strongly I feel about it. Mm -hmm. But that's really not working anymore, because um, I am a grandparent now, and I know better, and I've done a lot of work on this. So I go, well... Somebody so broken. How broken must somebody be to say something like this to their own child? I mean, there's just no no logic behind that. So yeah. now I have to have a little bit more compassion. But if I compassion, then I have to let go of the story that I told myself that she hates me. Yeah, right. And then what's the new story? What's the new story? Mm-hmm. That she's been a loving mother, but unbelievably broken. And she did it not on purpose, but she did this she doesn't know any better and is that better or worse for my story (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) because now it's new and can't we just stay in our little comfy area (laughs) that's why i'm saying it that's why the surrender process is so so difficult and then the mindset trainer says well you just make a decision to let it go and surrender and you're like dude if it was that easy everybody would be doing it it does start getting a little easier But I don't think it's ever going to be easy for us to unpack and and surrender. It's always going to be a damn process. (laughs) Not stuff like this. No, no, no. Especially not like that. Yeah, I had, and again, I've had a year. It's, you know, we had a close death, business partner left. Things were trying to stack against me. And old me would have been just like, whatever, I'm over it. I'm done. I'll go back to what I know. But because I knew this was so much what I wanted, that wasn't even an option. The surrender did start happening because it, it, it was a change of words. It was like, what next? It was more of a, okay, I know stuff's going to keep hitting the fan and we're just going to deal with it. When it happens, we're not going to think about what it could be <laughs> that's coming up around the corner. <laughs> and you don't really know. So this is where, again, in mindset, people say you lean into the yes, and you don't really know what that means until you're at this point. Yeah. And then somebody offers you something, but it's not the rate that you want it. Or we had to go back, you know, I have a fabulous program, the Signature Growth System, where I help people that have a lot of expertise to create their own niche by putting all of this expertise under one umbrella and then the umbrella then becomes the niche. I mean, it's, I'm the only one really who does that. And I, I, without 
shame. I will say I do this better than anybody else. Nice. Yeah. No shame. Uh uh-uh. Nope. You own it. Yep. No shame. And then I look at the market and I see that there's a significant shift, that there is a much lower number of high ticket sales because people are sitting on hundreds and hundreds of hours for the reasons we already talked about. And they are now looking for more an implementation type of piece, the connector piece on how does all of this fall together. Mm-hmm. And we went and looked at what we've done before and we pulled out a program that I had sold over what 22,000 times through a partner together because I had done that because I wanted on the low end piece, I wanted somebody else to take care of that so could focus on the high end piece. But the opportunity in the market is not in the high end piece right now, in my opinion. The opportunity is in larger volume in with this new generation that is trying to figure out how can we make our dreams happen. Mm-hmm. And so we're launching, we're relaunching this program and updated it. And it's not what I wanted, but it became very clear that's what I needed to be doing. And I looked at the numbers and I got the sales report from this program that's still selling after seven years. And I did five programs with this company and that's the one that sells the most. So I'm like, well, maybe I need to follow the data. Really quick, everyone listening, I want you to pay attention to the fact that she owned her expertise. And like we just said, no shame. And that is so important because we are all good. We have our areas of expertise. And when you surrender to the owning of it, it is amazing what opens up. Well, and that comes with the expertise and that comes with doing the work and that comes with knowing what to keep and what to throw away. I, I A friend of mine calls November, no November. <laughs> <laughs> And she says, in November, she specifically looks at her entire business and says, what can I say no to? And that is reduction, taken away. That's, Krista Grasso calls it unnecessary complexity. Remove everything that you don't need. Unsubscribe, even though you're interested in it. Does it add anything to your life? Out unsubscribe, cancel, 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 cancel. Keep it keep it so tight and do what you do better. That's where I'm at right yeah, now. Yeah, I like that. And that's what I've done in the last couple of weeks. And I've been really paying attention to my own business too with the no of there's so much going on. And I'm like looking at it going, if I was in this, do I want all of this stuff or am I going to be confused and lost? You know, <laughs> it's like, what can I scale down to get more focused? That's actually a great question to ask. What can I scale down to get more focused? Yes, 100%. Awesome. Oh my gosh. We unpacked a lot, everyone. (laughs) We unpacked a lot. But like I always says, our mindset owns our business. It's 100%. And I love this whole surrender idea. I think that that's going to help me when I'm going through it to have that in my mind of, okay, here we are. We're at a choice. That's a big theme right now for everybody. Because what we're doing is clearly not working. Mm -hmm. It's not working for the planet. It's not working for ourselves. It's not working for our relationships. There's a whole other generation that goes in, looks at us and says, you screwed this up big time. I'm not doing that. And we're fighting, but it's not working for us. So how can we tell them that it should be working for them? Right. And is our suffering really the criteria for other people suffering? It doesn't sound like hazing it at the college Mm -hmm. is... Well, that's the way it's always been done. Oh, Jesus, we sound like our parents now. (laughs) 
right? <laughs> yeah. How about we make the change of just because it's always been done that way doesn't mean that that's how we have to do it. And that's a tough thing to do. Yeah, because it's not the easy. It's not necessarily the easy route because it's not the one we know. Well, the easy route, that is a whole subject in itself. But I, I do think that the path that we go depends on where you want to go. And the more impact you're making, the more likely your path is a little bit bumpier. With good reason and a good outcome. Yeah. And it gets us a good outcome. Is there anything, I know you covered so much. It was wonderful. Is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? Yes. So we actually just created something that I would love for your listeners to give it a spin. And I created something called the profit formula. And I was thinking, based upon a lot of what we talked about today, what will it take for somebody to actually figure out what their expertise is worth and how much money they can make in this environment right now? Ooh, uh huh. So I came up with a profit formula. So I figured out what the factors are, expertise, duration of time. And you find it at whatsyourtalentworth.com. And it's in the process of being launched. So by the time, again, the show comes out, we may still have a bug or two. So be patient with us and reach out and let us know how it works. But we are coming up with the only formula that I know of that will calculate how much earning potential you have with your skill right now. Awesome. I love it. And yes, it's so timely because I just took on a new client and she actually talked me into it. Because it wasn't something that I knew that I was doing. I hadn't put that in my head. I didn't even know how much to charge kind of thing. I'm like, okay, so that would have been really nice a couple of weeks ago. There you go. <laughs> so I'm going to definitely be taking a look at that when it's ready and seeing, <laughs> okay, what, how could I do this when I figure out that I do like doing it? We got to do the beta first. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, gosh. Thank you for being here. Thank you for especially addressing the mindset. It's always been my favorite because I've been doing so much growth lately, especially in the last 10 years. <laughs> Definitely this year. I appreciate your insight and making some of it. Just the change of terms, the change of words is enough to start that permission process in your brain. 100%. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Val, for having me. I had a blast. 